Welcome to the Three Clones Podcast, a concoction stirred up by three wise women to encourage us all to step into power and build legacy. I'm Virginia. Three Crones Podcast is envisioned as an audio woman's circle, a sacred space to get to know and to get comfortable with our truest selves. I'm Tamara. We'll talk about it all. Mythology, religion, history, yoga, movement, nourishment, sex, spirituality, rebellion, and death, and anything wild women the world over feel an urgency to uncover and share. I'm Susan, and we're three crones in the woods. What could go wrong? Good morning, guys. How are you today? Great. Good. We touched during our first episode on Virginia's 15-year case of the fuckets, and I thought it would be fun to dig a little deeper there. And I've been thinking about how there are two sides to this coin. Years ago, I was given that chestnut, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And so there's the fuck it. I'm no longer interested in people pleasing as a duty anymore, for instance. But also, hell yes, I will devotedly bring forth my gifts and talents to be of service to my loved ones and community and to the world at large. So it's not just the emphatic no of what we don't have time and energy for anymore, but also the fine-tuned yes around what's valuable and worthwhile. You see what I'm talking about? Tamara, what do you think? Yeah, I think that is the crux of it all, and it makes us feel there's a strength that comes from that and also a relief, like a letting go. It's like, oh, God, that was a baggage to carry around. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> what do you think, VA? Well, I want to hear your point, but one of the things that gets me keyed into the buckets when I was younger, it was the keeping up with the Joneses, and that absolutely wore me out because it's a whole spectrum of stuff. It's monetary, it's beauty, it's style, and all of this is very ego focusing and the ego is like a balloon that has a little pinprick in it and it's constantly deflated and you have to constantly work to keep it all puffed up and going and that's a fuck it at some point i'm tired of trying to keep my balloon inflated my ego completely nurtured and salved and feeling good at some point the ego just doesn't serve and so fuck it you let go of that yeah amazing yeah absolutely yeah so i love 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 loved it that virginia you started us off with a poem last time i thought this one might get the fuck it hell yes ball rolling it's by easily my favorite poem nobody's going to be surprised by this mary oliver and it's called when death comes When death comes like the hungry bear in autumn, when death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut, when death comes like the measle pox, when death comes like an iceberg between the shoulder blades, I want to step through the door full of curiosity, wondering, what is it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore... I look upon everything as a brotherhood and a sisterhood. 
I look upon time as no more than an idea, and I consider eternity as another possibility. And I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy and as singular, and each name a comfortable music in the mouth, tending as all music does toward silence. And each body a lion of courage and something precious to the earth, when it's over, I want to say, all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world in my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I've made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Mm. Powerful. He's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> what a poem. Virginia, I know you know that one well. I do know it, not that well, so thank you for bringing it back to my attention. I think it's a wonderful poem. It touches on one of the things that's very near and dear to me, and that is something I call my deathbed philosophy. When you look back on it, when you're on your deathbed, whatever it is, a decision, a choice, will you say, that was good. For example, I doubt very seriously that anybody on their deathbed will say, oh, I wish I'd worked harder. I wish I had spent more time at work. Probably not. Mm. I wish I had right. loved my children, been more present, said I love you more. These are the things that I think become important, and that's what she's talking about, being married to this astonishment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The spark of the moment, the moment when that happens or it doesn't happen and you think, oh, man, that's what I should have done in that second. So to live that second and just do it, yeah. <laughs> just do yes. it. Yeah. So that's where this work, I mean, we're talking about being choiceful, right? We're talking about making specific choices in our lives now because we've been sort of trained to think that we're supposed to do things a certain way. And that's what we're coming up against now. Like, well, that was ridiculous. I didn't need to be doing it that way or worrying, letting my ego take over, worrying about these things that don't really have meaning to me personally in my heart of hearts on my deathbed. I'm not going to give a damn about this. That's what the fuck it's and the hell yeses are about, right? Tamara, tell me what one you're focused on right now. Like, what have you been thinking about in terms of this recently? Well, Susan, there are so many, and it was hard for me to pick one, but I just will start by saying that on the dashboard of my car, I have one of those little bubblegum packages that have those cool little pictures on. And it has the picture of a Buddha, a happy Buddha sitting there. And underneath it says, let that shit go. <laughs> and that has been, <laughs> that has always been, I think my fuck it, I grew up British. And so there were things we weren't allowed to say. <laughs> so that's why fuck it is such a great word for all of this, because that certainly wasn't something that I felt comfortable saying. And so I was like, well, what's my fuck it? Is it let that shit go? But it's that next step, isn't it? Because letting the shit go is definitely something we have to do. And then we have to get to that next step of saying, you know, fuck it. Who cares? That's not what I need anymore. So I think the one for me that I picked in all of this, and there's so many, there's, there's 
not shaving anymore. That was a big one for me. But the one that I really want to focus <laughs> And I know. I <laughs> okay, love okay. it. Continue. Okay, well, that was a big one. Well, I will just spend a second on that one. I know we're meant to only pick one, but just to say that for me, that was, I didn't shave. Like I barely had a lot of body hair. So I was one of those lucky women who didn't really need to shave. And then it got to a place after I had my three kids and a man, not my partner or just a friend. I felt like he wasn't a friend right after, but he made a comment about it one day. And I, within months after that, and this is only looking mm. back now, I realized I started to shave and did it for many, 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 many years. And it was probably about six or seven years ago now, eh, maybe less, five and I just said, fuck it. <laughs> Literally, I'm just not doing this anymore. And it has been, I don't even notice, really. I'm sure other people do, and that's their problem. But I am so much happier without having to do that. I have very sensitive yeah. skin. It became a problem. The other thing for me that has been a real place of truth where I could just say, it's really about like what we said, other people's opinions or what other people think of us. And I'm a singer and it's a hobby. It's something I've done always on the side. But singing is one of the most vulnerable things a person can do. You really do expose yourself in a different way. I mean, reading poetry too, but if it's mm. your poetry, yeah. if it's your song. So I'd always sung other people's things, like traditional things, other people's songs. And when I started to write my own material and then, well, that was fun to write it, to play it at home. But when I actually first had to present that in public or wanted to, I wanted to, I had to let go of so much shit and so much judgment of self-judgment and what I thought other people were going to think of me. So that was the most, I think, the biggest freeing moment. And there's so much in there. Letting go of expectations of how you sound. There's letting go of expectations of what other people think of you. So that was a huge release. And when that happened a lot of other things fell into place. I felt like I found my voice as a woman and I could speak from my heart and from my gut. And it wasn't anymore my head saying, well, don't say that because that person might think that. So there's my fuck it. Amazing. Finding my voice. That's truly powerful. finding my voice. And something that I'm still struggling with. So thank you. Maybe you'll teach us all how to do that. It is powerful because our voices are really... They really are who yeah. we are, right? They're ourselves. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Virginia, I don't think of you as someone who has trouble voicing herself or sharing her voice. I know we're all working on everything all the time, <laughs> which is maybe, I think if I wanted to use a magic wand over the three of us, over the three crones, it would be to like just really like relax a little bit, give ourselves a little ventilation around because... We're all so fervent and earnest in our self-evaluation and trying to understand ourselves and then the rest of humanity all at the same time. It's hard work and it's beautiful work and it's so, so worthwhile. But yeah, at any rate, well, how about you? What's your fuck it, baby? What are you thinking about? Well, my fuck it is very specific and one that I noticed myself doing as a mother and then when I stopped doing it, boy, did it feel good. But I had gone through motherhood doing this, and that's called triangulation. 
I lived in a two-story house for a long time, and I would literally go into my husband's office and say something like, Michael wants to know fill in the blank, and my husband would respond, and I would run downstairs and tell my child or my young adult what my husband had said. He would respond. I would run upstairs, tell my husband, counter-argument, take <laughs> downstairs. I was telling my brother this, and he's a psychologist. He said, Virginia, that's called triangulation, and I get paid to do that. You need to stop. And it really was freeing for me to say, well, go talk to your father about this. Or why don't you talk directly to your son about this? Because putting me in the middle made me feel at least emotionally responsible for their relationship. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not emotionally responsible for people's communication. I'm not responsible for how other people feel and how they're communicating it. And I just didn't turn the switch off for triangulation. It took me practice. And I still find myself doing it because we have habits, but I'm much better at it. I'm much more likely to say, well, why don't you talk directly to your husband, your brother, your sister, your wife, whoever. Just talk directly to them and leave me out of this. So that was a big fuck it for me. Yeah. Or yeah. aren't we wired to just try to <laughs> smooth over and fill in all the gaps that we perceive in relationships and our families and our friend groups and stuff? It's like, let's make everything nice. So that's just not... That's not the right choice. That's not the healthy choice for anybody. No. Uh-uh. It's exhausting. And that goes back to authenticity. Right. It's exhausting to try to be everything somebody else expects you to be and not really be yourself and open to your own desires, your own wishes, your own personality, that deep core of who you are. You're blowing up the balloon constantly, trying to keep that yeah. facade, trying to keep the ego puffed up and ready to function. And that includes your blowing up other people's ego balloons. So, yay, I got to stop that in me. Exactly. <laughs> well, the one that I've been focusing on caught me by surprise a little bit, maybe back in May, the beginning of the nicer weather I lead women's circles. I do a lot of spiritual work, right? I've been leading retreats and circles for women for a long time, and I just really boosted the amount of circles I was able to do this past season. They're beautiful. It's wonderful, very rewarding work. I've never led a circle where typically, for me, somewhere between two and three hours, these events will last. Some of them are open. Some of them are private. And it's my joy to create what's going to happen there. But my direct experience has been that, you know, say it's a two-hour thing. However many women, whoever they are, whether they know each other well or don't know each other well, they show up. And two hours later, every single individual woman in the circle is changed. The energy has shifted. Their visage changes. Something magical happens. Sometimes it's the content of the work we're doing, but I think it's just a natural aspect of circling with women. I'm a believer, right? So then that's always been the case. 
But there's been this sort of sense that, well, this is a lovely thing to do. This is a great thing to offer the community. People could come once a month and really like rest in nature and share their authentic selves and be received and seen. And that's good, right? That's a good thing. But something in the beginning of this season's work hit me in a different way. And I was like, fuck it. I am actively changing the fabric of the universe by holding space for this practice. And I've started telling every single circle that that's what we're doing. We're not here for the monthly feel-good sesh of getting back with our sisters and saying the lovely things and learning how to incorporate self-care more. I'm like, what we're doing here is changing the fabric of the universe. And the first time I noticed it or really felt like I wanted to say it out loud to anybody was after a circle, we had walked in the grass in my field here. And to open the circle and create ceremony, we walked in a counterclockwise direction, releasing what we wanted to let go of. And then we turned our asses around and we went in a clockwise direction and we called in any allies or any concepts or anything at all that we felt would inspire us or hold us or make the circle special in some way. And the next morning, I looked out my bedroom window and I could see the path in the grass. I could see the circle carved onto the actual planet. And I was like, oh, we changed something. We made a mark. Yeah. That's cool. And I'm just extrapolating out from that one moment of recognition. If eight women, 12 women, five women are sitting together for two hours and they're all energetically, emotionally shifted by the end of two hours, then they're going home and that energy shift is going to impact their partners, going to impact their families, going to impact the people at the workplace. And we are actively changing the fabric of the universe. And the fuck it is, I am sick to death of cutting myself off at the knees and diminishing the potentiality of the power that I personally have the capacity to share with others. I'm not going to make that a small thing. Oh, I lead women's circles or, oh, I, I do spiritual work, whatever. Even my yoga classes, like, I'm like, we're doing big shit here. And I want everybody else to take that on. Like, I want that to be, that's one of my missions lately to like, fuck it. I'm making good choices. I'm making heart first choices for myself primarily and then for those around me. And those choices are aligned with kindness and a higher consciousness. And so I'm changing the fabric of the universe. <laughs> That's my fucking. Yes, Ma'am, you are. <laughs> I like that yeah. a lot. And again, just like wow. Laura, I can learn from her. Yeah. I can learn yeah. from this yeah. too. So I think it's important to have friends that you go, wow, I want to know how to do that. They're cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I just want to say, I think that this power that you speak of is a real thing and we all have it. And so 
tapping into that and leading other women or other human beings towards that power. It's huge. And it's something we all need to recognize, I'm in actually. complete agreement. There's nothing different about me. Yeah. I think that's the thing I want to... I mean, maybe there's something yeah. different about me. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't have I'm not higher up. You know, I don't have anything that everybody else doesn't have. That's my point, really. Like, we all have that, right? I want to switch gears here a smidge to answer a question we got from a listener. By the way, I want to thank everybody so much for the love and appreciation you've shared with us. It's a beautiful affirmation that maybe these three crones are onto something good that our voices resonate with you. Definitely keep your comments and questions coming. So from Jenny RZ, she wrote, You asked for questions. Mine is, I'm a mom of two littles. They're one and two. And while I'm dying for a healthy case of the fuckets, there are so many expectations and judgments and doctors and developmental milestones. And most days, I just feel suffocated by it all. How do I, one, let go of all that crap so I don't feel like I'm drowning all the time, And two, really stay present so these years don't slip away. Yeah. Wow. Such a good question. Yeah. Virginia, what do you have to say to Jenny? Well, I think she's kind of answering her question as she asks it. And that's the wonderful thing about really good questions is the answer is right there in the question. But, you know, how do we determine when we say fuck it? Are we going to damage those around us who we love? Or are we unwinding something that is toxic in ourselves, something that has been pre-programmed? I go back to the ego, something that the ego thinks it has to do to stay cute to other people. So is it shaving? Fuck it. I don't have to do this. Is it wearing makeup all the time? And these are small things. But just learning in your core what is important, not only to myself, but those around me, those I love. It's hard to let go of a great many things when your children are small. You're responsible for them. You can't say fuck it to a lot of things that they need. So determining what's for them and what's for your own small self with a small S, I think is the first step. And then once you do that, like you said, you can then stay present. You can lean into those very quickly passing beautiful years where your children will pat your cheek and tell you how much they love you before they turn teenagers and just want you for your car and your money (laughs) and then send you on your way. Pay attention to that. And that's the love which far exceeds the ego. So that's my tip. But... As I said, Jenny, you asked the question and answered it all in one. So it's a good insight. Tamara, what are you thinking? I think that's all very true. And I would just say that we do live in a time at the moment where, and there's the light and the darks or shadow side to this, of being able to have it all right? As women in a sort of, what does that really mean? So that's a whole nother podcast unto itself. But just to say that I think sometimes 
less is more and realizing this idea that you want a little bit of the chrondom to trickle down is wonderful. But it is also a rite of passage that we have to go through these times. It's a tricky one because I was like, oh, if I'd only been able to do more fuckets when I was in my 20s and 30s, but maybe I wouldn't be where I am now doing those fuckets if I hadn't had those rites of passage, those tough, you know, because when Virginia says, when the little one reaches out and touches your cheek, how beautiful that is. But then the other side of it is, oh my God, screaming kids and I never have any time for myself. But that is motherhood. And even if you're the most emancipated mother who organizes everything and does find time for herself, it is still that you're in it. You're in that mothering space. So the only advice or wish for the young mother that I have is to find that little moment in the day, whether it's 10 minutes in the morning to just be alone. It doesn't have to be more than 10 minutes. It can be an hour if you've got that great, whatever. At any point where you have that moment to just connect with yourself. And I think that's the piece that it seems so obvious and, oh yeah, I try to do it. It's so hard to do. And if I could just wish that on every mother, if I could give that to every mother, I would. Yeah, right. We were chatting briefly before we started to record today, and I was mentioning that Tamara almost pre-answered this question in episode one when she said, you know, in your 20s and 30s and 40s, you're just barely coping. And now she knows how to cope. And so she can start to live like that. That was one of the indicators of leaning into being a crone. One of the gifts of it is that we're not all the wheels aren't turning. You know, you're not keeping all the plates in the air anymore. It's not my responsibility to do the doctor's appointments and cook the meals and set up the play dates and keep everybody healthy. And and they're never healthy. You have more than one child. Somebody is always sick. It's just on and on and on and on. I have grandchildren that the toddler stage. So just wild. They're wild little monkeys. Like there's no keeping up with them. It's just hard as hard can be. You really are just coping And so when I read this question, I was like, oh, it's a little bit like, is it possible to take some of what crone is and bring it down into mother and maiden? And I honestly don't know the answer to that. I do know that self-care is the answer to everything. Self-love is the answer to everything. So if it's possible as an individual woman, human, messy woman, to hold loving space for the little baby that was you one time that wasn't quite taken care of in the way she needed to be taken care of, And that would be like these quiet moments, this self-reflection, this opportunity to have your tea and light a candle and just like connect with higher self, connect with a loving sense to dig your toes into the grass or lean back against a tree. These simple moments of 
pure aliveness to just remember. It's like the remembrance. Oh, this is really the central thing here is about me. And I am in a place where all of my energy has to go elsewhere. But if I don't fill up this cup, I'm not going to be good for anybody. Yeah. Easier said than actually done. I don't know. I feel I feel like I'm not going to be able to really bring what's, what's helpful in this case, because to some extent, you're just surviving that part of your life. You're really just treading water until somebody, comes, you know, until you're a little older and then you get to float for a while, I guess. Well, I guess that's the piece is exactly that. So just knowing that it won't be like this forever. Any parting ideas or thoughts? How are we feeling about autumn? Oh, I love it. I'm looking forward to it because it I'm not expected to do as much as I'm expected to do in the summer. And, you know, yay, it's where we are as crones, right? We're moving into the autumn of our lives. So as long as my leaves don't drop, I'm good. <laughs> my personal leaves. <laughs> Your personal leaves. <laughs> a little cooler, a little witchier, a little spookier, a little more mystical, right? That's nice. That feels nice. Yeah, I think for me, what feels so good is the clarity of the air has changed and the sort of smogginess of it has gone and the moisture is out of it. And it's just, ooh, the breathing. I feel like I'm breathing yeah. better. So that's a good feeling. Beautiful. Well, ladies, I think we've done it again. We'll see. We're definitely, all three of us, quite technologically challenged. So hopefully our editor can get out any background noise or glitches in our presentation. But I also am willing to embrace the rawness and our realness. And I'm really so happy that we're taking this adventure together and yeah so remember please that we do want to hear from you we do want this to turn into a dialogue not a monologue and i'm wishing everyone a beautiful october yes happy october yes. and upcoming Samhain. so yay yay enjoy this witchy time yeah <laughs> love you guys i'll talk to you love soon. you too yay You've been listening to Virginia McKinney, Tamara Sheen, and me, Susan Madden-Cox. We're three crones on a mission to stimulate meaningful conversations to create radical change and to provide a safe and soothing sanctuary for women. Be sure to download to listen, check the show notes for good links, and follow us on Instagram at Three Crones Podcast. We want to hear from you, so send us your ideas, questions, and mind fires. Until next time.